you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am the host of this podcast. My name is Janine Garner, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to this very special episode where I'm actually going to give you insight into my brand new book, Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence. Um, What I want to do is share with you a short extract from the book. So uh, the intro about why this book essentially and a little bit of insight into the very first facet of the first law of brilliance, which is all about owning you and owning your spotlight. Um, I hope you enjoy this extract and I hope you're inspired to head on over to BeBrilliantBook.com to order your own copy from all major online retailers. And as you will see there, there are a whole heap of bonuses and extra materials uh, that I've made available to those of you that uh, buy an advanced copy of this book. And um, I want to thank you in advance for supporting me and helping me get this message out into the world. If you've got any questions, as always, please please feel free to message me at janine at janinegarner.com.au. So I hope you enjoy this extract of Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence, uh, pre-sale throughout June 2020 and on sale from July 2020. Thanks so much. Hi there, my name is Janine Garner and I am the author of Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence. Thank you so much for your request to listen into an extract of my new book. This is my third book. Um, I am so grateful and so appreciative of your support. I hope you enjoy what you hear, what I'm about to read to you, and that it encourages you to head on over to one of our online retailers to grab yourselves a copy or two of Be Brilliant. If you head on over to BeBrilliantBook.com, you will see that there are a whole heap of additional bonuses and resources um, that I've pulled together as part of this pre-order campaign, um, really by way of thanking you for your support um, of this book as we launch it to market. So without further ado, let's get going. Introduction. How do you feel about the future? Be honest, because most of us would agree that the mere thought is simply exhausting. It's exhausting trying to keep pace with technological changes. It's exhausting keeping on top of other people's lives, our teams, our families, our children, our friends. It's exhausting trying to keep up with work demands and the changing business landscape. It's exhausting having to conform to industry, societal, And let's be honest, social media expectations of how to look, be and behave. It's exhausting trying to prove that we're good enough. It's exhausting trying to perform and play a bigger game. It's exhausting being human in today's busy world. When everything external to us is moving so quickly, 
The risk is we enter a space of feeling out of control. We worry about what we don't have and seek out solutions to band-aid our perceived imperfections and doubts. We regress into a space of me, of self-protection, of protect what I know, learn what I don't, and until then, I'll fake it till I make it. We look externally for options to invest in learning and programs to improve our skills and capabilities. We buy tools and expertise to improve performance. We spend hours researching the next big thing so we can be ahead of the curve and we invest materially in external validations of success. We want to be in demand, to be needed, to be relevant, to be seen as successful. So we spend a fortune on stuff, on shit, that we think will make us better, that will fix us. And what does this really get us? Despite this constant acquisition of skills, work, promotions, learning, material possessions, and jam-packed calendars, there are so many of us living daily with imposter-like feelings, doubts of our own abilities and questions about the path we're on. Despite a perception of increased connectedness thanks to the quantitative counting of friends and connections online and time spent scrolling, we're living increasingly in an age of loneliness and depression, of disconnection from ourselves and who we want to be. And despite the outward appearance of being in control, stress, mental health and disengagement levels are at an all-time high in the workplace and at home. Relationships are breaking down, both with our team members at work and our family and mates at home. We feel uninspired by leaders, organisations, brands, governments and businesses. We question the type of leader, partner, parent, friend and person we want to be. Worse yet, in this fast-moving new world, we're having to learn to live with incessant change. Talent is no longer enough. Truths are hard to find and being fake is more visible yet somehow we're expected to live and lead a brilliant life. How on earth can we be brilliant and feel brilliant when we're engulfed by disillusionment, comparison-itis, blame-itis, imposter syndrome-itis, and lack of self-belief-itis? So why this book and why now? These are just some of the examples of internal pressures we put on ourselves. But what about the external ones? Here's what we're facing. Problem one, business was simple. Now it's competitive. Business used to be relatively easy. We'd work on our one, three and five year plans. We'd present them for sign off and then off we'd go like good little soldiers implementing them. Life felt uncomplicated. Business felt uncomplicated. Calm, simple, known and the speed of change felt considered but now we're living in extraordinary times of change and challenge. Business is more complex than ever before and we're no longer performing on a level playing field. We're not just competing locally in our own backyard, we're competing nationally and globally for everything. Resources, people, sales and profit. Problem two, clients were easy, now they're demanding. Likewise, our clients and suppliers used to be relatively easygoing. In fact, we loved hanging out with them. Want to head out for a spot of lunch? Sure, why not? Can we meet to discuss our business terms and plans for the next year? Of course, let's have a chat. But now our clients, suppliers, employees and leaders are becoming more demanding. 
wanting everything better, quicker and cheaper. And if you can't deliver on this, you better throw in some extra resources and value for free, of course. And it's not just them, it's us. We get annoyed if our Uber doesn't turn up in 90 seconds, if we can't get the cheapest flight on offer, that table booked in the new super cool restaurant, one hour delivery of that must have dress for the weekend and get a replacement within 24 hours. Problem three, communication was straightforward. Now it's overwhelming. Marketing used to be a four-step process. Once we diagnose the four Ps of our marketing plan, product, price, promotion, and place, we'd allocate our marketing dollars across a limited range of options, television, radio, print, and maybe a promotional event or two. Now we're operating in an increasingly interconnected, fast and flat world that allows us to market anything everywhere. As long as you have a phone and a laptop, you can get your brand out there from anywhere at any time and in any place. We're bombarded daily with information that we're attempting to process and compete with. Technology has changed how we connect, interact, work and relate. It's changing how we exist. Problem four, resources were limitless and now they're stretched. In the 1990s, when I started work, resources were limitless. It was the time of the banking boom in London. The champagne flowed, company credit cards were put behind the bar with free abandon. We could even access the stationery cupboard without asking for a key and print A3 in colour, shock horror, without worrying about being caught by the office manager. Now everything has been cut. Resources, headcounts, budgets, travel. And we're watched as if under a microscope. Despite the cuts, we're all under the pump to do more with less. Problem five, employment was secure. Now it's uncertain. Remember when a job was for life? You were embedded into the company, securing the knowledge that you would be looked after until the day you retired. But with changing industries, evolving organizational structures, technological advancements changing the jobs available, increased competition across generations, and the necessity to upskill, reskill, and evolve skills based on the future of work, jobs are no longer guaranteed. In fact, recent research states that millennials will have 17 jobs in their lifetime. Without each other, without collaboration and connection, without us all being our absolute best, we can't adapt and move at the speed needed to meet these demands. Better be yourself. We all have to get better at being ourselves. Think about it. Without people being who they truly are, Being their brilliant selves will never create the true heart and soul, the belonging that's needed to turn the challenges of our present into the successes of our future. When we reconnect and reclaim who we are in the entirety of our lived experience, imperfections and strengths, and when we stop faking it till we make it, we'll be in a position to unleash our individual brilliance and at the same time unleash the brilliance in others. So the solution here is to start by looking at who. In 2009, Simon Sinek published his book, Start With Why, which included the infamous golden circle framework for his approach to leadership, that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. While Sinek was undoubtedly correct in identifying a starting point for why you're doing something, 
This thinking has created a tsunami of significant unrest and anxiety as people and organizations try and find their purpose in life. What do we value? What's our mission? Why are we here? These are the questions we ask ourselves on a daily basis, and if we don't have the answers, we panic. While I am absolutely not discrediting his great work, what I am proposing is that there are other, more critical questions that need to be asked first. Who are you? Who are you being? And who do you want to become? Understanding why on its own will never work. The who we are and who we want to become and the why we're doing what we're doing must align, otherwise there will always be a point of tension and conflict. Phil Knight, founder of Nike, talks this concept in his book Shoe Dog. He writes about what sparked his success at selling. After being unable to sell encyclopedias because he hated it and feeling empty inside when selling mutual funds, he started selling shoes and realized he enjoyed it because it wasn't selling. He believed in running and believed these were the best shoes to running and that the world would be a better place if people ran every day. He added, people sensing my belief wanted some of that belief for themselves. Belief, I decided. Belief is irresistible. What Knight shared is that the why for other people only became important when he had belief in himself, in his who first. So what if we could remove the shackles we're placing on ourselves and instead know that we have all we need right now, that we have all the skill and capability that's needed to contribute and influence, that our opinion matters, that the culmination of all the facets of ourselves, the strengths, the weaknesses, the successes, the failures, the loves, and the imperfections are our perfectly imperfect and brilliant selves. We just need to tap into it, embrace it. You have all that you need to be brilliant. To meet all of your challenges and demands head on right now, it starts with you. My wish for you as a reader of this book is to understand that we're all unique that we all have individual facets that when embraced will help us become the best individuals, partners, parents, leaders, team and organizations we can be. Much like learning how to meditate for hours or mastering a one-handed push-up, it takes continuous work to be brilliant, work that lasts a lifetime. But this continuous mastery, ongoing improvement and determination to become better is where the opportunity exists for you and for those you lead. Only when we take ownership of who we are, who we want to be and who we want to become, only when we accept all of our imperfections and rise above our limitations, only when we unleash our own inner brilliance can we truly create the space for others to do the same. Brilliance is infectious. So let's be brilliant together. The quest to be brilliant. I was born to a working class farming family in a small village called Geisley in Yorkshire in the north of England. My dad was a poultry farmer and my stay-at-home mum juggled kids, the farm and the market on weekends. While riding around on my dad's lap on the tractor, he would often say in his strong northern accent, where there's muck there's brass love which meant if you put in the hard work, the money will come. Mom, on the other hand, would share her pride at being the first girl in the family to attend Leeds Secretarial College and then the disappointment at having to give it all up when she got married. 
Something many people don't know about me is that I received a full student grant and financial support from the government to go to university. There's no way my farming family could have funded my further education without this. Suddenly, I was off. Hooray! I packed my backpack and headed to Birmingham, not realising at the time that I would never return home to live again. I remember that first term, the conversations, the people, their backgrounds. My eyes were well and truly open to the world of possibility and also to self-doubt, lack of confidence, imposter syndrome, imperfection and all of my flaws. I worked and played hard and graduated four years later with a Bachelor of Science, a significant amount of debt, some lifelong friends and a suitcase full of memories. Over the next eight years, in London this time, I tackled the ongoing, exhausting battle between striving for more and proving I was good enough. I was determined to make it in a man's world and prove to my dad that I could do it. Despite rising through the ranks, self-doubt always told me I wasn't smart enough, savvy, savvy enough, brave enough or good enough to be there. By the age of 27, I'd fallen in love with an Aussie, Jason, and decided to run away from those nagging doubts and try again, somewhere new. I left my job, sold my belongings, packed my backpack again, and moved to Australia. Over the next 10 years, I rebuilt my career in a country where I had no friends and no proof of who I was or what I could achieve. I lived on the verge of burnout and breakdown while juggling three young children, a full-time corporate job and horrendous bullying at a senior level. Deciding I'd had enough, I chose to leave to set up and bootstrap my own business. Then my husband's company went into receivership and he lost his job. With no regular money coming in, we hit rock bottom financially. We had to sell up, downsize to a rental, live off credit cards. We even went as far as having conversations with mates about camping in their backyards. I'm serious. Through it all, Jason believed in me. That was all the fuel I needed to open my eyes and make a change. I took back control and I worked. I dug deep, I hustled, and I invested in the right people around me to keep me focused and on track. I formed the LBD Group, a network for commercially smart women who collaborate and support each other, which I sold in March 2019. Since then, I've built a global speaking and training business, working with some of the most inspiring businesses and leaders who are committed to driving change in industry. In 2011, I founded the not-for-profit First Seeds Fund with an incredible board of women who together helped many parents and kids in disadvantaged areas in Australia. I became a partner at Thought Leaders Global, a business helping clever people become commercially smart. In 2017, I received an honorary doctorate of science from the University of Aston in Birmingham and was privileged to be asked to speak to the graduating year of students. I've even written and published two books, one of which is a bestseller. Let's hope this third one becomes one too. Why am I telling you this? It's not about stroking my own ego, telling you all the things I'm good at or all that I've done. No, it's about owning the good stuff, the achievements and the nagging internal voices along the way. Everything I've told myself I'm not doing right or could do better, like writing this book. Just like you, my journey was never and will never be all unicorns and rainbows. That's not life. Being brilliant is about accepting the conditioning we've grown up with, why we think the way we do, 
recognizing what drives us, celebrating our wins, and equally recognizing when we're being hard on ourselves, when we judge ourselves, and when we fuck up. I know, I know, easier said than done, right? Like me, you've probably spent years investing in yourself, reading self-development books, going on training programs to make you a better leader, negotiator, writer, presenter, thinker, insert whatever works for you. And even after all this investment, you continue to question who you are and what you're doing. It's crazy. We continue to question our worth and our brilliance. Why? Barriers to our brilliance. We're struggling with owning who we are and giving ourselves permission to become our best selves. We're wanting to belong but feeling lonely. And while we talk about collaboration and building teams, we're so worried about ourselves that we're continuing to operate from a place of me versus a place of togetherness, of us, of we. We're all at risk of becoming the robots of life versus the humans of extraordinary evolution where potential is unleashed and brilliance shines. The world is asking us to be our extraordinary, brilliant selves, but we're not listening. Instead, we're suffering with extreme and multidimensional fatigue at three levels. One, exhaustion fatigue. We're exhausted with being exhausted. The world is asking us to be our extraordinary, brilliant selves, but we're not listening. Instead, we're suffering with extreme and multidimensional fatigue at three levels. One, exhaustion fatigue. We're exhausted with being exhausted. Two, stretch fatigue. We're pulled in 101 directions, often at the same time by multiple partners. And three, choice fatigue. We struggle with what to do next, tomorrow, the day after, first, second, at the same time, or all right now. Ring true? Exhaustion fatigue. We feel exhausted every day with all... Exhaustion fatigue. We feel exhausted every day with all that we have to do and by the thought of the future and what we think we should be doing. You may even now be starting to spin as you think about what you should be doing right now instead of reading this book. There's too much to do and not enough time. We're racing around, putting out fires, answering emails, attending meetings, meeting demands, rushing around like headless chickens, trying to look the part and act the part but maybe not quite delivering in a way that's sustainable for us over the long term, and we know it. Downtime is, beca- downtime is becoming increasingly limited. On time is becoming increasingly maximized. We spin out of control, running ourselves ragged, falling under the pressure of the demands of adaptability, agility, and connectivity. 
We face chronic exhaustion from the pressures to keep up, and this mental, emotional, and physical tiredness is interfering with our levels of happiness and personal fulfillment, our relationships, and our ability to work effectively and navigate the options and choices in front of us. It's simply exhausting being human. Stretch fatigue. So many of us are operating like a real-life version of Elastigirl. We're pulled and pushed, stretched and restretched in multiple directions by multiple groups of multiple people, all demanding work and a whole stack of other stuff that needs to be done ASAP. Everything and everything wants you and wants you now. Add to this whatever role or roles you currently have that you're feeling guilty about. For example, Janine, as a mother, you really should be cooking a healthy dinner every night for your kids. Janine, you really should be spending more time with friends. Janine, you really shouldn't be outsourcing all those home chores because you should be doing them. Whether we're single, partnered, a parent or not, we're enrolled in the University of Joggletown, attempting to successfully achieve a PhD in time management, multitasking and getting shit done. Choice fatigue. This job or that job, to hire or to fire, to say yes or no, to stay quiet or to speak up, this media platform or that platform, which course, which holiday, which diet, this decision or that decision, to stay the same, to change direction, to sell or to buy, to stay or to go. The more choices we're faced with, the more exhausted we become as we weigh up all the options in an attempt to make the right decision, if there is ever such a thing as right. Then, when we make the choice, we doubt our decision and we swing between self-doubt and self-denial. We enter the world of comparison, seeking out and seeing those who are doing better than us, who we perceived have made the better choice. Our imposter syndrome kicks in when we don't believe we're good enough to have made the choice we've made. And we worry about being found out and suddenly that spiral of indecision starts again. Ultimately, all we really want is to be in flow, for life to be easy, tension-free, for the friction of of too much choice to be removed so we can just get on with it. Stick up your hand, please. How many of these do you admit to feeling on a daily basis? Go on, tick them off. Fear about what you're doing or if you can even do it? Self-doubt as to whether you're good enough? Imposter syndrome, I shouldn't be here? Comparing yourselves to others who may be doing it better? Blaming yourself for not being there yet? Questioning what you're doing and why, again? Telling yourself negative stories about what will happen if you do or don't? Feeling worn out and wanting to give up? Running away from it all? We don't think we're cut out for this. Tick, tick. Undertaking any meaningful endeavour, launching a business, building a new product offering, expanding your team, entering a new market, writing a book, developing a new website requires you to be at your best. It requires you to be brilliant. And yes, this is often easier said than done. All of us start with the best intentions, but our diaries and commitments to ourselves get taken over by someone or something else. The distractions are on continuous play, challenging our focus. The messages about conforming are on steroids to be the thinnest, smartest, healthiest, most productive, youngest, richest, challenging our desire to just be me. I acknowledge that even now as a mother of three, wife, sister, daughter, friend, these inner demons continue to raise their ugly heads. I'm not brilliant. 
I have flaws and imperfections, too many to list here. But what I have learned is to accept who I am and be pretty gentle and forgiving of myself. I've learned that I have certain strengths where I can add a lot of value and equally I have a hell of a lot of weaknesses that are hard to change. I've learned to accept all of this about myself and I've learned to get curious about my behaviours and about how and why some people get under my skin. I've learned to continually lead from a place of courage and acceptance of others, of loving unconditionally and teaching always. It's not easy though. After all, I've got many years of my own unconscious bias, ideas and opinions, as do you. But when we give in to the inner demons and negative voices, we can't do our best work. We can't bring the best of ourselves to what we do. And we can't do what it is we want to do and achieve with our life. Truth be told, we can't lead others or bring out the best in others until we lead ourselves. The Four Laws of Brilliance Like a diamond with hundreds of different facets and flaws, I believe our unique individualisms can be cut and polished. And only when we can lead ourselves, accepting our imperfections and rising above our limitations of which we all have many, can we live a life of influence and magnify the same in others. And much like the brilliance of a diamond takes artistry and workmanship to bring out the brightness and the contrast, we have to do the craftsmanship on ourselves to bring our best selves to all that we do. It is the angle at which light enters the diamond and is reflected black that creates the brilliance. Too shallow and the light isn't bright enough. Too deep and the light becomes dull. The same can be said of us. If we fake it till we make it, only showing the parts of ourselves that we think is acceptable, our bullshit will be seen by others. Alternatively, the more real and authentic we can become, the braver we can be to show who we really are, and the more we can shine brightly in how we live and lead, how we influence, connect, and collaborate. We need to own the sharp angles and blemishes. We need to understand that we all come in different shapes, sizes, and colors. For some of us, the blemishes and imperfections are close to the surface. For some, they are hidden deep. And for others, they are disguised, hidden from the world. But every facet of who we are is our uniqueness and brilliance. As one of my clients, Suzanne Rohr, shared during a workshop, we are all rare gems designed to shine, created under enormous pressure. There are four laws to live and lead by if we want to be our brilliant selves. One, be you, own your spotlight. Two, be ready, harness your energy. Three, be together, connect with intent. Four, be heard, magnify your influence. Each law is made up of three facets, and each of the four sections of this book deals with one law. As you begin reading each section, I'll ask you to identify how you're doing right now in relation to that law. Be honest with yourself. Ask yourself what's working and what's not working. You're unlikely to find that you'll nail all four laws at the same time. You'll always be kicking goals in some areas and needing to do work in others. You'll find that you're strong on some laws and weak on others. Naturally, the key is to maintain the strengths and strengthen the weak areas. 
Make sure you keep coming back to the Unleash Brilliance model and each of the laws to understand where you need to harness your focus. For this to work, there are some key requirements. Be curious. Take ownership of what's going on. Do the work to move forward. For this to go wrong, stay stuck in your ways, believing you already know this stuff. Remain close to change. Resist being challenged on your current thinking. Given you've picked up this book, I reckon the latter three don't exist, although at points you may go, yeah, yeah, I've read this before. If that's the case, ask yourself why you're not doing it. You may say, I've tried this before and it didn't work. Well, if that's true, were you curious to explore what got in the way? Did you learn something? Did you honestly take ownership or did you give up? Try again. Explore another way. I use this model in training and coaching to help individuals identify where they need to do the work. I use it on myself when I feel in a funk or stuck as I try to uncover what the real problem is. I use this model at the start of every year to reset and refocus, to get back in control of myself and back on track with what I'm trying to achieve personally and professionally. Remember, brilliance is a practice. So use this model and the brilliance in action exercises at the end of each law for yourself, your team and your family. Do the work and the work will take care of itself. Let's begin. Law one, be you. Own your spotlight. Own all the facets that make you you. Become positioned and known for all you are and all you do. Your consistency, passion and conviction in yourself become infectious and as others see the real you, the multiplier effect of your impact kicks in. When my children, Flynn, Taya and Carter were seven, five and three respectively, both my husband and I were working full time. The morning pre-work juggle was insane as we rushed around trying to drop the children at before school care and daycare, leaving just enough time to get to work. If any of the kids were sick, then all hell would break loose as we negotiated with each other who had the most to lose that day, who could stay home and care for said child and God help us if the sickness passed from one to the other. I remember one particular evening sitting down to have dinner as a family and during the how was your day conversation, Taya asked me, Mummy, why are you always so busy? Well, I said, I've worked hard to get through school and university. I have a degree. I've built my career so that we have money to buy what we want, your toys and clothes, so that we can enjoy holidays. She continued, but mummy, why are you so unhappy? Boom. It was a stake to my heart. That moment I realized my five-year-old was right. I was existing, operating and doing a lot of stuff but I wasn't living and leading in the way I wanted to live and lead. And I certainly wasn't demonstrating to my children how to live and lead a brilliant life. What message was I sending to my daughter? Mummy works so hard, she's exhausted at the weekend. She's too tired to play. She's always on her phone. She gets grumpy really quickly. She can't sit still with me and watch Toy Story without multitasking. She really doesn't look like she's looking after herself. Why on earth would my daughter be inspired to want a career if that's what it's about. Equally, what message was I sending to my boys? What about how I was living my life would be inspiring to them and what were they absorbing in terms of life lessons? 
This was a watershed moment for me to take back control and self-ownership. I needed to reconnect and reclaim who I was and who I wanted to be so that I could ultimately influence and lead in a different way. In a Thrive Global blog, The Joy of Sleep, Arianna Huffington discusses the concept of discovering our true value and the need to know ourselves first and foremost. She says, to know yourself, you have to make time to disconnect from the world so you connect with yourself. That will make it much easier to know what you truly value and then make decisions about what to undertake. Owning our individual spotlight is key to success today and tomorrow. I appreciate this is easier said than done, that the sheer concept of being 100% who you are is tricky. I mean, let's be honest, we all start out with the best intentions, don't we? Remember the dreams you had for yourself as you were growing up, or when you finally graduated and stepped out in the world? Remember when you decided what type of leader or business owner you would be? Remember the things you used to do that would make you laugh so much your face would start hurting? Remember that feeling of dancing like nobody is watching? Being ourselves is beaten out of us. In the playground by the schoolyard bully, in the workplace by the queen bees and the wannabes, on the back of 360 degree performance reviews that focus on our weaknesses or what we haven't done. Or maybe you can still remember how you felt after receiving the negative feedback someone once gave you. Here's the thing though, your business, your team and your family need you to be the best version of yourself so they can be the best version of themselves too. Speaker and author Steve Maraboli says in his book, Unapologetically You, we all make mistakes, have struggles and even regret things in our past But you are not your mistakes, you are not your struggles, and you are here now with the power to shape your day and your future. This is the focus of Law 1, be you, own your spotlight. It's only by practicing this that we can become confident about what we're bringing, have the conviction and passion about what we're doing, and ultimately be remembered for the impact we're individually making. Your leadership starts with you reconnecting and reclaiming who you are in your entirety and owning who you ultimately want to be. Hoping to get better is not a strategy. You have to own the facets that make you you. You have to start from the inside out. So where are you at now in your professional life? Let's start with a little self-reflection to see how you currently rate yourself in terms of whether you're owning your spotlight. Where do you feel you are right now in your professional life? If you were to measure yourself on an axis of visible to invisible and against self-doubt to self-belief. Are you invisible or visible? Thinking about the work you're doing right now, where would you place yourself along the axis of invisible to visible? Do you feel invisible right now, not being noticed for what you're doing or the value you're adding? Maybe you're even questioning whether you're doing the right thing in the right job, or you may be questioning if you're even on the right path. Or are you feeling excited, lit up, and getting noticed the majority of the time for what it is that you do? Are you visible? Self-doubt or self-belief? Now, where would you place yourself on the axes of self-doubt to self-belief? Are you struggling with self-doubt or feelings of not good enough? Maybe you're starting to feel like an imposter in your role and worrying that you don't have what it takes to do the job. Or are you feeling confident in yourself, your skills and capabilities? 
you know what you're good at and you're actually feeling good about yourself. What do you notice? You may be feeling visible, really visible right now with your work, the company, even the people you're working with, but the self-doubt and feelings of not being good enough are starting to creep in. You may be questioning your decisions or doubting your capability, and so find yourself placing an X in the top left-hand quadrant. Alternatively, you may be feeling invisible and frustrated at your lack of progress and not getting noticed at work or in the marketplace. You know there's more. You're just maybe not sure what the more is. Your self-belief and conviction are strong, but there's just something you don't know that's missing. Our ultimate aim is to place ourselves in a place of self-belief and being visible, a place where we're being noticed for the work we're doing, fired up to do more, where our self-belief is strong and we know we're doing work we love in the best way we can. This is a place of owning it, a place of self-ownership. You'll be unable to consistently inspire others or create the impact you desire until you can take ownership of who you are and the work you're doing. Once you can identify where you're at, you can identify what you need to focus on to improve and move forward. The three facets of law one. In one of my favorite movies, The Matrix, the main character, Neo, meets the Oracle and walks under a sign that reads, Temet Noski, Latin for know thyself. This is the essence of law one, that only by getting clear on who you are and owning it, constantly exploring, reflecting, and knowing that your inner belief and knowledge is what others will see, will you keep growing? This is reinforced in multiple articles and studies, including the 2009 study, The Longitudinal Impact of Self-Efficacy and Career Goals on Objective and Subjective Career Success from the Journal of Vocational Behavior. The key finding was that self-efficacy, or the belief in oneself, is positively correlated to later career satisfaction and career success. Let's now look in detail at the three facets that Law 1 addresses character, focus, and expertise. Facet one, character. One of my all-time favorite childhood movies is The Wizard of Oz. It's the story of four friends journeying together, but on individual missions to enhance their own brilliance. Like the wonderfully cowardly lion, put him up, put him up, he says, bouncing on the spot with his fist balled up. Courage, if I only had courage. Let's be honest, there are times when all of us could do with a trip down that yellow brick road to find the courage to be ourselves. But like the great and powerful Wizard of Oz says when they finally make it to the Emerald City, you, my friend, are a victim of disorganized thinking. You are under the unfortunate impression that just because you run away, you have no courage, you're confusing courage with wisdom. Just like the lion, we need to reorganize our thinking and self-belief to recognize that we already have everything we need to be our brilliant selves. The last couple of years of my corporate life were far from the champagne-popping joyous existence it once was. On paper, I had it all. Responsibility for good brands, a great salary with awesome job perks. But behind this was an environment of bullying, lying, deceit, and game-playing, which meant I was always on the lookout for the next grenade being thrown my way. I unconsciously absorbed the energy and behavior of others and ended up leading from my own place of fear and self-protection in an effort to keep one step ahead. It was exhausting and in conflict with my personal values. I was unhappy and a person I didn't like. 
for things to change, I had to go back to the basics of understanding who I was, what I wanted to do and how I wanted to be. I spent months working with a number of coaches, uncovering layer upon layer of who I was and why, and at the same time actually adding to my understanding of who I wanted to be. The only way I could do my best work and be my best self was to give myself permission to be a non-Instagrammable version of me. I had to stop wearing the multiple hats of my life and adopting whatever I thought I was supposed to be, because quite frankly, it was getting exhausting. I had to work hard to quit reading into things, creating stories and scenarios of what may be going on and instead step forward with courage into a place of personal vulnerability and trust. And so when I finally left my corporate job, I decided I was going to live, lead and operate on the assumption that people generally were good and ultimately wanted to do the right thing. Now, I get that some of you may think this is an unrealistic ideal for the competitive business world, but I truly believe that operating from a place where you assume the majority of people are good versus evil and out to get you, trip you up or make you look stupid for their benefit will bring more joy. And it has. From the moment I let go of the pretense and instead took ownership of who I was, the actions I took, the results I achieved and the mistakes I made, I started connecting more deeply with others. I have built relationships that matter. Doors have opened for me and for others who were previously invisible. I've engaged in thought-provoking and intelligent debates, worked through challenges with clients from a place of understanding, and my business and personal success and achievement have grown exponentially. For example, I was recently invited to speak on the topic of Unleashing Brilliance to an audience of about 3,000 people in Sydney. I'd prepped my keynote, submitted the slides a few days before and was ready to go. But on the morning of the keynote, I woke up and just knew it was time to be a little bit braver. It was time to replace some of the business case studies of other people I usually shared with stories of myself. I had to dig deep, become a little bit more vulnerable and open up more to show people in the audience that the things I was sharing were on the back of the highs and lows I've learned from my own life and leadership journey. The response was incredible. Here's the thing. The more we can share of ourselves and our flaws, the more we touch the hearts and minds of others. Paul Zara, non-executive director, board and company advisor, and one of Australia's most influential diversity advocates, shared with me during a podcast interview, the key message from me today is not changing who you are, but rather celebrating your differences and understanding you are unique. Fitting in can be negative and destructive. People have to be careful about not working hard to fit in, but actually working hard to bring their difference to the workplace. To ask yourself honestly, who are you being? Are you truly being you in everything you do? Or have you become someone you don't recognize anymore? Someone even you may not like? What needs to change to turn that around? You're the key. Ray Pittman is a C-suite leader in the property industry and has worn many hats throughout his corporate career. I had the pleasure of working with Ray when he was the president and CEO of CBRE Australia and New Zealand. One day I asked him out of curiosity what he has learned about himself over his career. He told me, I guess to accept who I am and to be pretty gentle and forgiving with myself. Ray shared that he was hard and critical on himself during his 20s and 30s, always thinking he wasn't good enough or should be doing more. He added, I think as I've gotten older and more experienced, I've realized who I am. 
I have certain strengths which can really add value. I have certain weaknesses that I'm not going to change. I've learned to accept that about myself and to really focus on what I'm good at. Underlying it all is to just be accepting of yourself and not get down if you make a mistake or criticize yourself. Your character is what makes you, you. It's what distinguishes you from everyone else. It's your personal currency, your strength, your uniqueness, and your opportunity all wrapped up in one amazing package. Like Ray, you need to accept yourself and focus on the things you're absolutely brilliant at. These are very likely to be the things that you love. And if you're building on the things that you love, then you're going to, be, you're going to step into a greater, higher place. One where you're able to align who you are, what you think and feel with the actions you take. This helps you operate from a place of truth and authenticity, which is what others are drawn to. Alternatively, if you're unclear about who you are, if you're faking it till you make it and changing your behaviors to fit into any given scenario, then people around you won't believe you, let alone follow you. And you'll start feeling pretty crappy in the end too. If we don't start leading from within, giving ourselves permission to be who we are, owning our unique values and beliefs, our strengths and our weaknesses, and acknowledging the person we are on the inside, imperfections and all, we'll never be capable of being that better person on the outside. Steve Jobs echoed this thinking when he said, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. While John Wooden, UCLA basketball coach, advised, be more concerned about uh, with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. Brilliance starts with you choosing to own who you are and giving yourself permission to live and lead from this space. Faking it till you make it is not a strategy for becoming more brilliant. Hope or hoping to become more brilliant isn't a strategy either. How can you teach, guide, mentor and lead others if you aren't being the best version of yourself? How can you give to others when you're not giving to yourself? You are the strategy. You are the key to change. The rest of this section of this book continues to talk about character. It talks about better is something you become. Lessons from Mildred, so the stories we tell ourselves. The fact that superheroes have flaws too. And how to remove that itchy jacket because you are a blank canvas that needs to step into your future. And also at the end of this particular section, as with all sections through the books, through this book, there are various exercises for you to complete. So I hope you've enjoyed listening in to that short extract of Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence. Um, and as I said, if you could please head on over to bebrilliantbook.com and you'll see all the details there of how to order and all of the incredible bonuses that we've packaged together for this book. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to hearing how Be Brilliant has helped you lead a life of influence. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.